Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we are here to discuss Farscape Season 2, Episode 18, A Clockwork Nabari. A Clockwork Nabari. Yeah. Yeah. My clockwork orange, but a clockwork gray. <laughs> that would, oh, that would have been better. That would have been better. This episode was written by Lily Taylor. It's her very first episode. She mm. was a story editor, and this was her episode, and it was directed by Rowan Woods. Mainstay. Yes. So the thing is, I really, well, I didn't really like, I liked this episode well enough after we finished it, but then you told me that none of it pays off, and I was like, what? Because this episode, you know what it weirdly reminds me of? What? The finale to WandaVision. Where it's just setting up a bunch of other things. Yeah, so it's not really a satisfying story on its own, which is too bad because I really enjoyed WandaVision. And then... Here's the thing, though. Like, I don't blame this episode for that. Like, they got four seasons, but they got canceled before they'd even wrapped up their first storyline. They had to do a movie to wrap up the wormhole storyline. Oh, spoilers. The wormhole storyline doesn't get wrapped up till the movie. Mm. But, you know, they were creating other races and creating other plots that could go somewhere. And I have to say, Farscape, I, I'm in a bunch of Farscape groups online, mm-hmm. and people are still like, bring back Farscape, do more Farscape. And they could, like, they could bring it back and... Would it be one of those things where all of the actors are really old and you just feel kind of sad looking at it? Or do you think they just have a new cast and be like, these are other people in the Uncharted Territories? Uh, well, Ben Browder and Claudia Black still look great right now. Mm. So that would be fine. In fact, we have to watch The Nevers now because apparently... Skip ahead 30 seconds for Nevers spoilers? I don't know. I haven't watched any of it. But my Twitter timeline was going crazy letting me know that Claudia Black had a surprise guest star appearance on the mid-season finale. Huh. So now we have to watch it. Yeah. I guess we should also probably watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Uh, I... Marvel stuff is so exhausting at this point. Well, it bothers me because WandaVision was the first project in a really long time that we got psyched for. And it had us up until the point where it just became a generic Marvel property. Well, when I was telling my mom to watch it, I told her to stop watching when she got to the Agnes All Along song. When you get that, you're done. Stop watching. Mm -hmm. After that, it's just more Marvel stuff. Oh, but Farscape reboot, right? Or revival or, yeah, not, not a reboot, a revival. It could be now. It could be however many years later. What, what is it now? 20 years later. It could be 20 years later. And the Nabari could have just set off the contagion. Like, that could be the plot that brings everybody back together. So we should probably get into talking about the actual episode, right? Yeah, let's talk about a clockwork Nabari. Mm. So on Moya, John is just returning with Chiana. Apparently they have been on a mission and... uh, John's wearing his evil peacekeeper outfit. Right, because it was an intelligence gathering mission, right? So they had to be disguised as a peacekeeper. And they were probably doing the thing where he was the peacekeeper and she was his, like, servant. And that means we missed out on John doing his peacekeeper voice. His, his like, inexplicably British peacekeeper voice. Well, I mean, I all, guess 
Claudia Black and uh, Ponytail Guy both have uh, vague accents. Yeah, but they're like vaguely Australian accents. Mm. No, no, John is just a child of pop culture, which, come to think of it, is why I relate to this show so much. But John's just a child of pop culture, so villains are British. That's just the way it works. Maybe that's why the translator microbes give... uh... Give peacekeepers British accents? Yeah. Because that's the way John's brain interprets it. Ooh, I like that headcanon. Okay, yeah, that's... I Yes, that's that's what's happening. Definitely that's what's happening. So anyway, the mission did not go great. Yeah, and John is pissed off at Chiana because I guess she was doing some heavy flirting with the guy that they were getting information from. And apparently John's gun failed to function at a uh critical juncture yes at a critical juncture it's all very um freudian yeah yeah we even get a shot of john like trying to fix the gun and firing it and it just like sadly blorps yes it just lets out a little pitiful little red bleep also, I think this is the first time that John refers to his gun by name, which is Winona. Like Winona Ryder. Yes, I, I, I got that. I guess he wasn't mad at her for stealing lipstick or whatever she did that turned the press against her. No, no. What was it? Was it stealing lipstick? It was shoplifting. I don't know what she shoplifted, but yeah. Just another maligned woman of the 90s. Mm. Mm. Of course, now she's on Stranger Things, so everything is fine. I guess. Her and, is it Matthew Modine? Is he the guy who... Yeah, he's he's on Stranger Things as well. Because uh, that Gina Davis pirate movie just killed his career. Oh, like, Cutthroat Island. Honestly, it kind of killed Gina Davis's career too. It really did put a halt to a lot of careers, which is a shame. It's not that bad a movie. Well, I just... mean, not bad enough to sink multiple careers, which it absolutely did. Mm. Pirate movies were... Were they actually a thing at that time, or were they just getting kind of pushed? I think they were just getting pushed. I don't think pirate movies really became a thing until the Pirates of the Caribbean brought them back. But the thing about that is, like, you didn't see a ton of people trying to cash in on Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, there weren't a lot of copycat other pirate movies. Yeah, that's a good point. That's weird. You would think after Pirates of the Caribbean was so successful, you would have a bunch of cash-ins. Well, I'd imagine that... Studios are still kind of scared because of the old pirate boom. I guess. I, But I'm surprised there weren't things that were ripping that off. Like, the aesthetics of it, even if it isn't exactly pirates. Well, I mean, everyone's putting out their superhero movies these days. Yeah, but that's not Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, that's, that's ripping off Marvel. Yeah, because they're jumping on superheroes being the big trend of the time. Oh, so it's like a Watchmen thing is what you're telling me? Do you, do the you, real life is reverse Watchmen. Or or rather, Watchmen taught us we can either have superheroes or pirates in our pop culture, but not both. Mm. That's that's what we learned from Watchmen. Did you know Valiant had a movie? Prince Valiant? Or Valiant, the comic the, the book comic publisher? Line. I didn't, but what do you mean Valiant? Like, they put out multiple books. Uh, they had a movie called, I think it was Ninjak versus the valiant universe and it was basically a bunch of their characters attacking ninjak who i guess is one of their characters that sounds terrible all i know is that um 
that guy from Baby Daddy who was cast on the uh, Great Lakes Avengers TV show that never ended up happening that had that Russian lady, a squirrel girl. It's a shame that there's no Great Lakes Avengers movie, uh, TV show, rather. That would have been so fun. Although they were billing it as champions, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I guess because you don't want to d- dilute the Avengers brand, but... Whatever. I'm like, he was Mr. Immortal in that. I'm like, okay, there's a studio out there that is sitting on some footage I would very much like to see. I'm sorry, anyway, he's he's XOXO Man of War in that. Uh-huh. Which I know nothing about the Valiant universe, but I saw him in the XOXO Man of War uh, costume, and I was like, he would make a really good Booster Gold. Oh, Ooh, Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. That's a movie I want. Ooh. Did you hear they uh, announced the Batgirl movie? Yeah, I did hear about that. And the directors are two dudes. I'm... I, I don't know. I'm just so tired. I'm, I'm so tired. Let's talk about this show because I like this show better than the Marvel Universe right now. Hmm. So, Rigel and... Aaron, who stayed behind to kind of cover John and Shiana's asses when they booked it, return, and they are calm. Mm, they're evenly tempered. Or, yeah, yeah evenly tempered. They have even tempers. Which is a uh, surprise, especially in Aaron's case. Chiana was expecting to get her ass kicked for... Going off script. Yeah. So, according to Claudia Black, she's so, like, calm and level and whatever in all of her brainwash scenes that the crew asked her if she was actually stoned. (laughs) To which I wrote in my notes, um, no, you guys are just used to watching Ben chew the scenery when he plays stoned. You're not used to somebody actually acting the way you act when you're stoned. Oh, my God. Ben is, like, a cartoon hippie when he well we'll get to it (laughs) so Gianna's like oh no you know that thing that my people like to do to people they did it to that old peacekeeper guy that thing where they like brainwash you and make you docile and flaccid personality wise that that's definitely happened here yeah they tell they they Aaron and Rigel tell Gianna that they have a surprise for her and she's like okay well Give it to me. Let me open it. And they're like, oh, you don't open this surprise. You embrace it. Thank you. That is not chilling at all. Okay. And we see the surprise. It is Varla. Okay. What's wrong with that name? It's Carla with a V. Wow, you really broke the creativity bank there, guys. Oh, what's funny is with Aaron's accent previously discussed, when she first showed up, I thought she was saying Vala, not Varla with an R, mm-hmm. which is Claudia Black's character's name on Stargate SG-1. Uh. And I was like, oh, a connection! And then I turned on the captions and was like, oh, never mind. Got excited for nothing. So, Varla is one of Chiana's people. She's a... Uh, Nabari. Nabari. And... John immediately, I'm sorry, blows his load. Oh. He, he like, points his gun at her, and she's like, oh, fire, if you will. And instead of, you know, continuing to bluff because his gun's not working, 
He tries shooting it, and a sad little blip falls out of it, and she's like, mm, that's what I thought. Well, okay, so this is what's wrong with being a pop culture boy. John thought that at a vital moment, the gun would work again. But he didn't know that he was still in the cold open of the episode and not at the climax. No pun intended. <laughs> I guess that's what happens when you have off-screen adventures. You don't really know when things are peaking. Yes. God, everything we're saying sounds really sexual to me. That might just be my dirty mind. Not, neither one of us are doing this on purpose. It's just happening. Oh. So after the credits, we regroup with Varla and the other Nabari, Milak. Better. More alieny. And we see that they are, like, fucked up. Like, their faces are all wounded and scarred because... They had a run-in with peacekeepers, and mm. they are the only two of their crew that got away. So, yeah, peacekeepers in the area. Uh-oh. Yeah. We go down to Pilot's Den, and they're putting a control collar on Pilot, because I guess pilots can't be controlled with the same, like, brainwashing thing. Well, yeah, his mind works on such a higher level. You can't brainwash him, but you can electrocute his nards. Yeah, well, even worse, it, like, injects poison into him. I mean, it, it hurts him, but it also, like, injects poison. And the sound design on the poison being injected into him is so gruesome. And Aaron, Aaron is the one who's putting it on him, which is just, like, heartbreaking because of their bond, you know? And Aaron, all, like, blissed out and, and brainwashed, is like, come on now, pilot. We wouldn't like to lose you. And I'm just, like, chilled to my core. Claudia Black is amazing. She is. I was less affected by her performance than you were, but she is a very good actress. Honestly, she seemed kind of low-key pissed off to me. Interesting. She sounds like someone who's trying to get out of a relaxation seminar by pretending she's relaxed, even though she's really pissed someone brought her to a relaxation seminar. Like Ron Swanson. Yes. Uh, we also learned that the collar will automatically give Pilot a lethal dose of poison if he tries to starburst away. So, no starbursting. I mean, that wouldn't be an effective way of getting away anyway, because they're inside Moya. Well, they could starburst to... Somewhere where they have allies. God, they have no allies, do they? Yep. Yep. Okay, well, yep. I mean, I guess they don't. I guess the Nabari don't know that. Yep. But uh, speaking of allies, the Nabari also give pilot coordinates to a Nabari base that they want to get to. And back in the cells, Dargo and John and Chiana are being imprisoned. By the way, we should like we should have started a counter for all of the times Dargo's imprisoned after he says he will never be imprisoned again. Oh my god, it's so many times. And we're not even that far into this series. Uh, but John and Dargo are giving Shiana a hard time. They're like, okay, well then, why are you on the run? Why are your people chasing you? What exactly did you do, Shiana? And I'm like, they all have pests! This is a prison ship, my dude! Also, like, you know Chiana steals stuff. It's like her whole thing. 
Although oh, that's not the case here. Also, you knew she was a prisoner when you first encountered her because she was with that other brainwashing dude. Well, I mean, that's the thing. They're like, these guys were, were after you when we first met you. What's going on? And it's like, well, the time to ask her that was then. Yeah. <laughs> the time has passed. Yeah, like you can't get mad at her for not telling you since you apparently didn't ask in the several months you've been hanging out with her. Yeah. Ugh, whatever. We go from this to the infirmary where Aaron is stitching up Varla. And Aaron's like, I don't understand. It's funny because John is pressing Chiana for information down in the cells. And here, like you said, if you're watching this and interpreting that Aaron isn't really brainwashed, you could put that reading on it. We know from things that happen later that that's not what's happening. But Aaron is pressing Varla for information about why they want Chiana so bad. It's almost like a part of her still is in enough control to try to gather intel. Mm. So John's really honked off because everyone's getting mind lifted or whatever they, whatever BS space term they have for their process. Mm-hmm. But Cleansing, uh, which is good because it's that's not that wild. Yeah, it's not that different from brainwashing. But uh, he's like, oh, so they already got... They got Aaron, and they got we, we saw earlier that they got Zan, too. They got Zan, so that must mean that they're doing Dargo right now. Yeah, and John says that the Nabari referred to Chiana as the sister, and John's like, what did they mean when they called you the sister? And I'm like, I'm sorry, John, do we need to replay taking the stone for you? Do you not remember the events of taking the stone? You know, the episode where Chiana found out that her brother died and then she went to that sadness radiation planet and jumped off a rock, but she could sing at the right pitch so she didn't splat or however that worked. That's exactly how that worked. Yeah. 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 So... They called her the sister. Maybe, maybe maybe it's about that brother she had who died. Right? And Chiana does actually give John her backstory here, which is the thing I was saying could work really well for a revival. Her backstory is that she and her brother didn't actually escape their homeworld. They were let go. And they found out later that the reason they were let go is because they had been infected with a virus, a, a, a sexually transmitted virus that would infect anyone that they had sex with. And at some point in the future, the Nabari are planning to activate this virus and everyone who's been affected will like, die, basically, throwing the whole universe into chaos and letting the Nabari show up and be like, oh, you seem to be in a spot of trouble. Well, we can take over and help you. So our plan is to pump a bunch of sexy cat people full of a virus and then send them out to fuck their way through the rest of the universe. And then everyone they have sex with and, and then presumably everyone that those people have sex with. Yeah, it's like a pyramid scheme of boning. It's the MLMs of genocide. Yes, so, that is correct. So did they have a process where they're like, okay, we're going to find the sexiest Nobaris to infect? 
I mean, Chiana and Neri are both sexy. Neri, Neri is Chiana's brother. So, you know, yes. Probably. God. Ugh. I mean, I guess it's not the worst plan ever, but it's also assuming a lot of people want to have sex with Nabari. Well, I, I don't think that's an unsafe assumption. Apparently. Also, keep in mind, Chiana and Neri wanted to leave the Nabari homeworld, right? They wanted to go out... Into the great wide somewhere. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yes. They wanted to go out and have adventures and do this thing, right? So they've already self-selected as people who basically want to go out and bone. And not that everyone who wants to have adventures is going to go out and bone, but right. they did. And they are hot. And I just, I feel like the Nabari's plan, as far as evil plans go, it's a pretty good plan. There, there are worse plans out there, yes. We also find out, by the way, that Shiana has been cured of the contagion, so you don't have to worry about Dargo. No. Or John. John. I'm like a little sister to you, so it's not weird that we apparently boned at some point. Yes. As, as I have stated on this podcast, for your benefit, I'm sure people listening know, due to time travel shenanigans, John has already had sex with Chiana, although Chiana has not yet had sex with John. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, Sorry. Sorry. So John, so after Chiana tells John her backstory, he's like, why didn't you tell us this before? And it's like, I don't know, John, does she have to unpack her trauma to you? Like, she legitimately didn't think it would come up, which I guess was kind of stupid of her, but still. Yeah. All right. So. Can't watch this part. Too gross. Yeah, I was just going to say, if you have eye squeamishness, this is not good for you. So John is now in the clockwork orange machine that, like, pulls his eyes out so that they can infect him with the cleansing drug. By the way, they're using a light cleanse on this crew, not the thing that completely destroys your mind like they used on uh, What's-His-Bucket. Right, because that takes hundreds of years, whereas this is just, like, a temporary cleansing. Also, presumably, it keeps you alive for that time. Yeah. Yeah. But this is just like the Febreze of cleansing. It just sprays over everything. Okay, so... Super gross. Two things. Dargo is there, and Dargo is like full-on insoled angel right now, where he's like, I'm sorry I've been such a dick. Oh my god, I can't even believe what a jerk I am. And the second thing is, and this is the squeamish eye part, the Nabari machine reaches into John's head, pulls out his eyeballs, and then we see, like, a little thing inject into the the tendon that connects his eyeball to his brain. And there's an IMDb trivia for this episode that is just, eyes don't work that way. And I'm like, <laughs> thank you! That, that is accurate. Thank you, IMDb user! That was helpful. Could not watch too gross for me. Like, I'm okay with some gross stuff, but that was just unsettling. Well, I, I'm not good at eye stuff, though, to be fair. Yeah, although it's interesting you say that because later we're going to see that Rigel recovers from the drug, but is going to pretend that he's still cleansed specifically because he doesn't want them to put him in that machine again. And they fair. really do sell that aggressively fair so 
in the dining room, Varla and Milak are interrogating Chiana about where her brother is. And she's like, ha ha, joke's on you, he's dead. And they're like, ha ha, joke's actually on you, he's not. You went through that whole personal journey of self-discovery or whatever for nothing. Want, want, your brother's alive. Yep, they show her security footage of him doing some sort of rebellion that was taken just ten days ago. So, yup. Yup. He is uh, out there fighting the fight, part of the Nabari resistance. And I'm just saying, this this could have been a good plot. And also, it could still be a good plot. Also, I put in my notes here... I was going to bring it up later, but I'm just going to say it now. It's possible the comics covered this because I haven't read the comics. And if they do, I hope one of our listeners tells us, hey, the comics covered this. And then I'll pick up the comics. Mm. Comics are always so hit and miss. Tell us if the comics covered it and if it was good. Mm. Yes. Because not to go back to our, you know. Charmed? Oh, I was going to say the Buffy well, but like the first couple of seasons of Buffy comics weren't very good but then they got the team over from angel and faith and they were pretty good after that yeah well so buffy season eight was eh. i really like season nine and following that that's the one where they get the magic book right yeah yeah with the with the with dracula dracula is such an awesome character in the comics and then you go back and watch the buffy versus dracula episode and it's so bad it was really poorly used yeah also, uh, I read a Once Upon a Time comic. Oh, no. It, it was just, like, it was a series of, like, four short stories, and the only one I remember is The Evil Queens, where Daniel's brother tries to kill her, you know. Okay. Because she he blames her for getting his brother killed. Oh, ironic, the way she blames Snow. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I like that. I like the parallelism there. And, like, he does this whole thing where he, like, isol- like he isolates her and he, like, gets her carriage misdirected into the woods. And then he traps her in a pit. And uh, he's like, okay, I've got you at my mercy now. I'm going to kill you and get revenge for my brother. And she just kills him because she has magic powers and he didn't know that. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Yeah. So my, one, of my, one of my dream podcasts that I would do if we ever had enough time for all of the podcasts I want to do is a book club where I talk about book tie-ins to various TV shows. And in anticipation of my dream of doing this podcast one day, I did read the Henry and Violet novel for Once Upon a Time. And oh my God, if anything was going to push me to do the podcast, it is wanting to talk about how terrible that book is. I I actually had to look up the woman who wrote it to make sure that she has like, written other things of her own that have fans because i was like i don't want to be as mean to her as i'm gonna be if i don't know that she's actually successful and she is so i feel like okay i can go ahead and be mean and and because it's not that it's bad so much as it's completely not in touch with the show at all it, it feels like it was written by somebody who has never actually watched a single episode of the show and was just given like character bios well i used to read charmed tie-in books and those play so fast and loose with the show continuity there was one where the sisters all had energy ball powers and i'm like did i miss something in the show and it's like no they clearly just didn't actually watch the show or like they caught an episode where 
Phoebe was deflecting energy blasts with her empathy or something, and they're like, oh, they all have energy ball powers. Weird. Meanwhile, having read all of the Quantum Leap books... Even the incest ones? Okay, I didn't read that one because I have never found a copy of it. Mm. If I do, I will. But having read a lot of the Quantum Leap books, one of the things that I really appreciated about them is that they explored what it means for the timelines to be altered and and what it's doing to people who aren't Sam, like how it's affecting Al and the other people at the Institute when he changes the timeline. And that's one of those things that's just never covered on the show. And so I really appreciated kind of getting the mechanics of it and getting an exploration of the emotions of it. It's almost the Quantum Leap books are like, if the Once Upon a Time books had been about what is it to be a dwarf mm. or what is it to be the only kid who is aging. aging. Yeah. Like all of the stuff that we wish they'd been covered instead. That's what the Quantum Leap is doing for me. It's covering all of the time travel stuff that I wish they'd gone into more. It would it would be like if the Once Upon a Time books were just the adventures of Lily. God, that's such a thing with Once Upon a Time. Like it's this show that has all of these amazing stories that are happening just off screen so we can focus on the boring BS parts. Right. Well, and, and that's the thing about this episode. It, it's not really that. Like, it's not like this episode is focusing on the wrong thing. It's that this episode is setting up stuff that never got a chance to play out because they didn't get an infinite number of seasons. It's kind of like a backdoor pilot, except, like for a storyline that just never happens. Yeah, well, I mean... It's, I guess that's not really a backdoor pilot. It's populating the world with other conflict, and that makes sense to me. Like, if John's wormhole thing was the only thing that was happening in the universe, then if it hadn't been so so prematurely canceled... I mean, I do kind of... I mean, I find it irritating, it's true, but... Also, I do sort of enjoy the idea of there literally being a plot that's being worked out completely off screen that we just kind of dip into a little bit. Yeah. Like, uh, not to immediately go right back to Buffy, like the thing with the uh, flying monkeys attacking the Wizard of Oz plate that we just hear about that apparently Buffy did nothing to stop because she didn't hear about it until it had already happened. Yes. Like... I do like when shows are like, yes, stuff happens off screen, and this is just an entire plot that's happening off screen. Well, one of the things I like about this is now, you know, in the year 2021, in the age of serialized television, I feel like we have all of these shows where there is a plot, right? There's a plot that has a plan, and either we're getting all of this weird filler because the show hasn't ended yet and we're spinning our wheels till we get to the ending or we get to the ending and then we don't know where to go from there. This show is just on the cusp of when series are being serialized. And so we're getting one story, but they're ready for there to be more stories. I'm sorry, I was just thinking about how a lot of modern supernatural shows kind of lost that thread creatively. 
You mean they like don't do Monster of the Week stuff anymore? Well, it's it's more like they have that certain end point. Mm-hmm. I mean, the second thing you said is definitely the case in stuff like Supernatural, where there were clearly several endpoints, and then it got renewed, so they had to come up with God's older brother Dave, who everyone has to beat up now. I mean, it's it was a while ago, so this probably doesn't count as me saying that's what television is doing now. But the one I always think about is Stargate SG-1, speaking of Claudia Black. But, you know, they had a series finale, and then they got one more season. And so they had to completely make up a brand new enemy to be fighting, because they had wiped out all of the gold in the in what should have been the season finale. Or, I, you know what would have been more appropriate for me to bring up just now? What? Charmed, the other show we do a podcast about. Yeah. Or, this is this is going against your other thing where you were like, shows have this one conflict that they're working through, and the more the show gets renewed, the more they just kind of have to push that back. Mm-hmm. Or, you have new Charmed, where they can't stick to a plot for more than a few episodes. So the plot's always dramatically changing. Oh, there are uh, girls in a college town and one of them's a professor and oh no, wait, now they're in another dimension and they work at a WeWork-esque collective workspace and one of them owns a magic shop, except nope, we're not doing that anymore. Now they're at a, now they're at a different college and they all have different jobs and you know but it's not the same college and they still might be in another dimension and oh yeah they have a secret base that they go to and it has a magic map that shows them where other witches are except no wait we're not doing that anymore and so on and so forth where it feels like they just get constantly bored with the plot so they drop it entirely like the last season of once upon a time oh god like the last season yeah i feel like so promising plot threads and they were like eh no let's not do that they didn't follow through on any of them they just kept getting bored until the season was almost over you can't change the big bad like five times what did dr facilier do like he okay we we shouldn't relitigate our old podcast which is done yes okay so so let's talk about what's going on right now which is that Harvey, the chip Scorpius that lives in John's head, is trying to break John out of his brainwashing by sarcasm and negging. Well, also, presumably, he's doing a physical process where he's metabolizing the drug. Mm. But yes, he's like, John, snap out of it. Fight the drugs. John, I had to spend 80 goddamn years on some backwater-ass sub-universe. And I didn't do that so you could be brainwashed by a bunch of cat people. Does he still have those memories? Probably not, right? Harvey? No, Harvey has all of Scorpius's memories. You mean on the... Um... No, does he have... Because John lost his memories from that alternate life he lived, you know, in that pocket universe. Does Harvey still have his memories of that? That's a great question. I'm going to say yes, he does because it's more interesting that way because it's funnier that way (laughs) Uh, so So he purges john of his brainwashings and john immediately runs crying to pilot because you know yeah pilot and pilot says that there's nothing he can do 
especially because the Nabari have been sending Aaron down periodically to check his console and make sure he's not doing anything suspicious, which again is reminding us that he and Aaron have a bond, a bond which here is being used against them. Yeah, I love it. So sexy evil cat lady is trying to seduce Gianna into revealing the whereabouts of her ne'er-do-well rebel brother. I mean, I feel like... It's pretty obvious Gianna doesn't know anything since she really obviously thought he was dead. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. What you just said. So it seems like they're going to make out when they get interrupted by Stoner John. Okay, so I put down in my notes that this reminded me a lot of Thank God It's Friday again. Because in both episodes, John pretends to be affected and does like this weird surfer dude, stoner, Matthew McConaughey thing when that's not the way the drug is affecting anyone. Yeah. It 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 really comes off like he's one of those characters who's, you know, in a in like a kid's cartoon when there's like a new age hippie type who, you know, if this show is at like a slightly more mature audience, the character would definitely be a stoner. Are you saying that he's shaggy? He's shaggy-esque, but this is a thing in a lot of cartoons where there's a no way, man, kind of character that's very obviously a riff on stoners without, you know, actually saying stoners. Because you have a character take on a slightly nasal accent and say the word man, that is all the character work you need to do. Yeah, hmm. that's true. So, okay, John's behavior with Chiana when he's left alone with her is weird. Uncomfortably, aggressively sexual. Yeah. Like, he really makes it seem like he's going to assault her, which is... It's... Why? Weird. I feel like... Okay, so I feel like what they were going for was they have this kind of weirdly physical, sexual, even though they're not having sex relationship normally. And so he's acting like that, even though in this instance it's uncomfortable because she thinks he's brainwashed and she's chained up. I don't know. I really don't feel like they've established this as the kind of relationship they have. It, It... it just, it comes off really creepy, and I'm not sure what John thinks he's doing here. I don't, I'm not sure what this scene is doing. I, I didn't like it. I don't like it. It's bad. But the upshot of the scene is John learns that the drug can't be, you know, removed from anyone's system. You just have to wait for people to metabolize it. And John thinks, wait, Rigel has like 10 stomachs. I bet he's metabolized it already. How is Rigel a better actor than you, John? That just speaks so poorly to you. Well, he's a diplomat, right? So he has skills in it. Mm. Although John's a bard. So you're saying his charisma makes up for the fact that he's outright terrible at it? Right, that's why nobody calls him on how he's clearly not affected by the drug. He's got like a natural 20 on charisma. So that's why he can be awful all the time. Right. At deception, he's... John is our stand-up protagonist, man. So John goes to Rigel, who is faking it, and 
tells him that he's faking it too. And Rigel's like, okay, but I'm going to keep faking it because I'm not going to have my eyeballs plucked out again. That was distinctly unpleasant. Yes. John says that they can't, you know, walk around being puppets to the Nabari, causing Rigel to say, I'm nobody's puppet, which is... Yeah, right. And then, oh my god, Rigel sells John out so fast. He's like, hey, this guy's not cleansed. Take him. Take him away. He's not cleansed. To the dude. To Duck Locke or whatever his name was. Milak. Milak. I I do like might be a strong word. I think it's an interesting point that uh, Chiana and the other lady, Nabari, both have, like, white hair with really dark roots, but the male Nabari have really dark hair. Yeah. Oh. Do you think the implication is that Nabari women bleach their hair? Honestly, I thought it was just, like, a gendered thing and that maybe, like, the tips of his uh, hair would be bright white, but they're not, so I don't know. Huh. Maybe, uh, maybe just if you're a woman or whatever, the blackness stops at a certain point. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. So, Milak goes to Chiana, and he has this... Uh, biscuit? Biscuit. <laughs> he has this uh, holographic recorder coin thing, and he... Speaking of people being unnecessarily sexual with Chiana, he's like, it needs your DNA. And then he, like... Cramps it in her mouth. He, like, rubs it down her lip. But anyway, her DNA activates it, and it's her brother basically saying, hey, I'm alive, but um, that's all I can tell you. Whoever is showing you this is also part of the resistance and knows not to bring you to me because you need to stay safe. Okay. Out. I'm having this giant plot somewhere off screen. Please don't interfere. I feel like you're just going to mess this up. Which, rough. But I guess it's nice that he's letting her know that he's alive. Yeah. I mean, I guess that cat person is already out of the bag person. Yes, because they've shown her the video of him doing rebellion stuff ten days ago. I, I do like the idea that he gave essentially every one of his spies a copy of this disc just in case they ran into Chiana. Also, he's like, don't come after me. It's safer where you are. But the fact that he gave these to his Nabari spies by definition means that if they run into Chiana, she's probably not safer. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. It it is a very cute moment though no I, I i do really like it also I, I have no basis for this but the way this guy talks about uh chiana's brother i get the feeling that he like is in love with chiana's brother mm. there, there's no textual basis for this it's just purely how the actor plays it yeah i can see it so yeah he he is kind of uh He's talking about what a super awesome dude Chiana's brother is, and John's like, he's a super awesome guy, but he doesn't care if Chiana gets brain cleansed. And the guy's like, there are fates worse than brain cleansing. 
I think that's part of what makes me think he's in love with Chiana's brother, because he really, really did not want to blow his cover, especially with these people who he does not trust. And as we will see, with good reason, he does not trust them to keep his cover. Mm. And he did it anyway because it was important to Neri that Chiana know that he was alive. Yeah, he is jeopardizing a lot by giving Chiana information she technically does not need to have. Yeah. So John goes to Pilot because he has a plan. He's going to use le trickery to uh, make the Nabari think that the peacekeepers are going to show up and cat scratch their asses some more. It's a good plan. I'm excited to be a part of this plan, says Pilot. Pil- but, Pilot does not have anything better going on at the moment. Yes, but unfortunately, because of the way Pilot is being monitored, John's going to have to physically reroute some of the video screens. So you need to kill some time in this episode. Also, you need to raise the stakes. Mm. Also, the DRDs are offline, so... Of course they are. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Nabari have taken them offline specifically because if you're going to take over a ship that has a bunch of robots that... Could easily just inject you with knockout drugs. Yeah, you definitely want to shut those down. So John goes to find Rigel because he needs someone small who can help him, you know, switch out these video cables. And he's walking through the uh, storage space that they have on their loading dock calling for Rigel and, like, banging on things with oars until he f- hears Rigel farting helium. Really was hoping this wasn't going to be a runner, but... Yeah. Anyway, he finds Rigel, and Rigel's like, yeah, I thought I would hide until your mind cleansed again so that you wouldn't be mad at me, but looks like uh, that's not what's happening. Ugh. Also, John's like, what is your plan? To just keep pretending to be mind cleansed forever? And Rigel's like, yeah. My plan is to pretend to be mind cleansed forever and then live on the Nabari homeworld. And he says, I can be the go along guy if it means I get to be part of the action. Rigel is not to be trusted. Seriously, like, it bothers me so much that after the last season finale, they, they, they brought Rigel back into the fold for no reason. He's true. He's proven time and time again to be an active hindrance. Yeah. Ugh, Rigel. So, I mean, I guess that's something about humanity that we form these alliances and and we can't abandon them, even when all logic would say we should. I guess. So John is smart enough to know that in order to get. Rigel to go along with him, he'll need to blackmail him, because he's like, hey, you know, this cuts both ways. I can very easily tell them that you're not mind-wiped, and then you get to get your your eyes yanked out again. And Rigel's like, oh, you wouldn't do that. You're too good. And John's like, hey, everyone, Rigel's not brainwashed. And Aaron comes in, and she's like, what was that? And John's like, JK. <laughs> yeah. Nah, that was a brainwashy joke. Get it? Because we're all brainwashed. Eh. He also tells Aaron that he needs to go fix something with the Amnexus fluid, and she's like, Dargo was going to do that. And he says, yeah, but Dargo's sick, so now we're going to do it. And then Aaron runs into Dargo in the hallway, and is like, how are you, Dargo? And Dargo's like, better than I've ever been in my life. And uh, Aaron's like, that's strange. 
Crichton said that you were feeling ill. I guess I'll have to go throw him out of an airlock now. Hmm. Yeah, so John and Rigel are trying to get these video screens rerouted, and we get Chekhov's electrical wires hmm. where Rigel is holding two live wires. Wires. And if they touch each other, then everyone is going to get electrocuted, basically. John has sent Chiana to get Varla to the command deck so that she can see what's going on on the video screens. And he told Chiana, you know, give me half an hour and give me half an hour to, and then get her there. And now we see that they are on the command deck and nothing is happening. It's like, <laughs> it's like that thing with Salma Hayek and 30 Rock, that line I think of a lot where she's like, I need to show you something in the other room and I won't remember what it is until I see it. <laughs> Varla's like, what do I need to see on the command deck? And Chiana's like, hang on. I know we came in here for a reason. Let's just stay right here. And Pilot's like, hey, uh, John, you really need to get this fixed because Chiana's on command and I have nothing to show them. And John's like, I said give me half an hour. And Pilot calmly tells him it has been half an hour and relatable. Mm. I just, I related to that so hard. Where I was like, I told you it would take me an hour to finish this. Well, it's been an hour and a half. I have no reason to respond to you with anger right now, but that's all I have. So Aaron confronts John about the whole him not actually being brainwashed thing. Which, yeah, also Rigel, I guess, but mm, also Dargo is there. So <laughs> everyone's there, too brainwashed, too not brainwashed. And everyone's pretty sure of everyone else's brainwashing status and and they're all correct yes. yeah so john lifts his feet up off the ground and is like hey rigel you heard them drop those check off live wires yeah so rigel does and i'm like you straight up electrocuted your girlfriend and your best friend i just like hoped it would be okay oh god dargo is his best friend that's so sad and you know what i'd say it's chiana yeah. But you you electrocuted these two people and you were just like, hope this works out. And, it, and it, John John looks at it and goes, bitchin', because he's still pretending to be stoned. God. Yeah. So, meanwhile, on the deck, uh, Nabari lady, what's her bucket? Varla. Varla. You know, like, Veril. Like, Carol with a V. Like Carla with a V. No, I'm saying it, they just took a really basic lady's name. This is very. Like Mary. Um, yeah, that's what science fiction does. It's true. <laughs> you, know, you know what? Point. Point. You just you either. You, you just take a normal name and you cram some letters from the ass end of the alphabet there. Or you just put apostrophes everywhere. The show does both. So, wait, does it? it I, oh, right, Dargo. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, wait a second, Xana is the character you would think. Also, Xana is like barely in this episode. Yeah, I, I have to think that this is the makeup. There are so many episodes this season where we don't see a lot of Xana, and I have to think that's not wanting to put Virginia Hay through the makeup stuff. Mm. Or her being in the hospital with like kidney disorders because of the makeup. 
So Varla is electrocuting Chiana on the deck. She's wearing one of those collar things, and and Varla's like, "Tell me where your brother is." Blah, 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 blah. Okay, so we've been mocking Ben Browder's stoned acting this episode, but I do like his line delivery when he comes up onto the bridge and is like, um, I've got something of great urgency to tell you. I was talking about how prevalent that it was in certain forms of media, but honestly, I do really enjoy the valley boy accent. Yes. Like, I do like that as a character establishing note. So, the fake fight starts, uh, the ship is getting tossed around, and on the screen we're seeing, like, explosions, and, like, consoles are exploding because of all of the explosives they put in those consoles, I guess. Everything's Star trek and real hard. Yeah, and we actually see the video of Krace that was taken from when Krace was pursuing John, but it's been, like staticed up so that you can't tell that he's after John anymore and it makes it sound like he's after Chiana. Mm -hmm. And Varla just keeps pushing the button that shocks Chiana. Like, that's... (laughs) What? She's like, well, I'm mad and I'm going to take it out on Chiana. Like... Jesus. God, Varla! What a douche. John's like, hey, Milak, step up and protect your boyfriend's sister. And he's like, um, no, I have to... Stay in my position as a spy. John's like, you have to choose between these two women, between Chiana and Varla. And it's like, Varla. I choose Varla. Obviously Varla. Obviously Varla. And to get Varla to stop electrocuting Chiana, finally John is like, okay, stop. It's a simulation. Stop the simulation pilot. And honestly, um, Academy Award to pilot? Because when he's like, John, it's not a simulation. The simulation is real. For a second, I was like, oh, wait, is that does that happen in this episode? Does it turn out that the peacekeepers actually found them? Like, I didn't remember because his delivery was so believable. Yeah, and John's like, no, seriously, cut it out. And Violet's like, oh, okay. Never mind. Yep. Yeah. And Violet's all like, haha, your plan has failed. And Milak's like, okay, I guess I will step up and kill her. Well, she's like choking Chiana out. She's taking a break from electrocuting her to just strangle her to death. Which, uh, okay, random. Yeah, it's well, I it, it's just showing how filled with like anger and hatred she is. And honestly, this is probably the thing that makes Milak step up because. The whole deal with Nabari is that they're supposed to be a peaceful people. And, By force. Well, that's the thing. We get the impression that the rebels are rebelling against the Nabari because they believe in the foundations of, like, this peaceful society, but not in forcing people to go along with them. Mm. And so that's why you get people wanting to take off that's why you get people wanting to stop them and milak is seeing that she actually has all of this rage it's just that she's found an acceptable target in chiana she's not actually you know at peace Mm -hmm. and that's the thing that finally pushes him to be like yeah no also he realizes that they were already the only two survivors of an attack he can just say that he was the only survivor yeah so he just chucks her out an airlock yeah and i love pilot comes on the screen and is like so is that what you were 
going for, John? Does that, does that work for you? Because I feel like that went pretty well. I feel like that was pretty effective. So now that the villain has been taken care of, everyone is just kind of chilling in prison cells until the drugs wear off. Yeah, and they're all like, okay, the drugs have worn off, let us out! And Rigel is getting too much pleasure in not letting them out, especially considering Rigel betrayed them without being drugged. So maybe get off of your high throne sled, Rigel. Seriously? Oh, he's the worst. And then we get like a sweet wrapping up scene with John and Shiana where she's like, so... I'm still going to look for my brother. I don't give a shit what he says. Yeah, even though Milak won't take me to see Neri, I, I'm going to find him, and she's sad. And John tells her, well, you know that your brother is alive. That's more than you had yesterday. And I, I like the, the hopeless optimism of that. Mm. That's more than you had yesterday. Yeah. And then we go to credits. <laughs> so this was a pretty solid episode it wasn't like one of my favorites or anything but it didn't have a lot of the things that annoy me about you know middle of the road farscape episodes so that's good i like that i'll take it it does feel weird to have a whole episode that's just setting up a plot that doesn't end up happening but i mean it it happens you know to quote from crazy ex-girlfriend life doesn't make narrative sense it's true and as I said, I'm not going to blame Farscape for getting canceled. That doesn't seem fair. Mm. So I think that brings us to our segments. Yes. Our first segment is a distant part of the universe, which is what world building worked for you in this episode? I don't know. I, I guess I like the fact that they established that there was sort of a rebellion on Chiana's home world, but... I wish that they had explored that more. Like, I really feel like we need to know more about how her society functions outside of, you know, being vaguely overtly fascist. So, I mean, I've been saying this all, all podcast episodes, so this shouldn't be any surprise, but I'm not going to penalize this episode for the fact that there's nothing good following it up because my distant part of the universe is definitely getting to know more about the Nabari homeworld. The thing is, I really don't feel like we do. My my big issue with it is that they're like, okay, look, there is this whole thing going on, but we don't really get information on it. Well, I actually put specifically the contagion plot because I think that's such an interesting, evil plan. And I know it's never, I, I know because I know that it's never followed up on, but I... I'm not going to penalize this episode because it set up a really interesting storyline. Mm. Our second segment is Strange Alien Creatures. Okay, I don't think this should count, and honest to God, I couldn't look at it, but that's because it was so effective. The eye removal thing? It was horrifying looking. Horrifying looking, which means that they did a really good job. I legitimately could not watch when John was getting his eyes taken out and having needles injected into them. I actually thought the battle scar makeup on the Nabaris was really effective because mm. it was obviously a wound, even though it was a wound on an alien that didn't have human 
physiology, right? So it didn't look like what that kind of wound would look like on a human, mm. but it was still very clear what was going on. And I thought that was just really well done on the makeup department's part. I also did kind of enjoy the uh, difference in hair color being a gender signifier. Yeah, it's in, that's an interesting one that you don't see very often, but it makes sense because like you think of birds with plumage. plumage yeah. 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 So our final segment is looking for a way home, which is what emotionally resonated with you. Uh, I guess it would probably be the ending speech, the whole, you know, that's more than you had yesterday. I feel like that is the emotional strong point of the episode. Because most of this episode did not do a good job selling me on John and Chiana's relationship, but that did. Yeah, no, I, I wrote the same thing. And yeah, a lot of the John Chiana stuff made me uncomfortable, but that felt like real and heartfelt. Yeah. yeah. It's more than you had yesterday. So, so, okay, our next episode is going to be the first part of Liars, Guns, and Money. Mm-hmm. Liars? Ha. <laughs> No, it's uh, Liars, Guns, and Money, Part 1, A Not-So-Simple Plan. Uh, now, this one's going to be weird. I think we're going to release it in three parts, but we're going to watch and record it all at once. Okay. Yes. Or at least watch it all at once, because I, I think you need to watch all three parts together as one unit. Yeah, the three parts are Liars, Guns, and Money, Part 1, A Not-So-Simple Plan, Part 2, With Friends Like These, and Part 3, Plan B. So it's not like that... Uh series of breaking bad uh episodes where the titles the cats in the bag in the bags in the river oh no the plane down over albuquerque yeah 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 Yeah, it's not like that anyway the plot description from wikipedia for liars guns and money part one is stark returns from the dead with a plan to save dargo's son and make them all rich in the process and there's more on here but i'm not reading the rest of it because it's kind of a spoiler okay I'm glad Stark wasn't gone for very long. Right? He was gone for a single episode. I really remembered him being gone longer. Maybe because of how long he was gone. Previously? Yeah. A single episode where the one person who would be super affected by his being gone was barely there. Yeah. So I believe that'll about do it for this week. Yeah, I think that'll do it for us this week. Our show's partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you can head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, Kate, and Jen. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode or any episode or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. Mm-hmm.